Welcome to the third in a series of Faith to Action Initiative webinars designed to share principles and strategies in family and community-based care. I'm Sarah Gazarek, coordinator for the initiative. The Faith to Action Initiative serves as a resource for Christian groups, churches, and individuals seeking to respond to the needs of orphans and vulnerable children in Africa and around the world. We believe that children grow best in the love and care of families, and our mission is part of a growing global movement within the Christian church to strengthen family-based care and help children remain in families. The core focus of our work is to encourage action inspired by faith and informed by evidence-based best practice. We offer practical tools and resources and up-to-date information on key strategies and research through our website, publications, webinars, and podcasts. Through this webinar and podcast, we will explore strategies to strengthen family care, a topic briefly introduced in our first webinar and podcast, The Importance of Family, as well as our second webinar and podcast, The Continuum of Care. These resources can be found on the Faith to Action Initiative website at www.faithtoaction.org. While each Faith to Action webinar and podcast can be viewed or heard independently, we encourage you to listen to our first two webinars, which present introductory material and set the stage for this discussion. Our hope and prayer is that the information provided in this webinar will support the work and ministries of those seeking the best ways to care for children separated from parental care. Our first speaker today is Carrie Olson. Carrie serves as chair of the Faith to Action Initiative, which she helped to launch in 2006. She is the founder and president emeritus of the Firelight Foundation, a public charity that supports and advocates for the needs and rights of children and families made vulnerable by poverty and HIV-AIDS in Sub-Saharan Africa. Carrie holds a PhD in developmental psychology and education from the University of Michigan. Thank you, Sarah, and welcome, everyone. Our first two webinars followed an instructional format to introduce key concepts in the care of orphans and vulnerable children. We looked at how important family care is to healthy development and explored a range of alternatives for children who have been separated from parental care, including reunification, kinship care, foster care, and adoption. We looked at research showing that most of the children residing in orphanages around the world today have family members who would and could care for them if they had appropriate support. There are many reasons why children become separated from parental care, but the key to preventing unnecessary placement in orphanages and to helping children transition back into family care is often to be found in strategies that strengthen the capacity of families to meet children's needs. That's the subject we'll be exploring today. But instead of taking a step-by-step -step instructional approach, we're going to hear from two pairs of individuals who join in conversation about the work their organizations are doing to support family care in different regions of the world. First, we'll be hearing about the Help Kids Center in Sri Lanka. Working in partnership with the Connected Program of Australian Christian Churches International since 2006, Help Kids is led by a husband and wife with a big heart for children. The center offers a range of programs to vulnerable children and families, including early childhood education and after-school care, family counseling, small business support, and other ministries that together with a network of services in the community provide a holistic circle of support around families. Next, we'll hear from Bright Hope. Bright Hope works with local churches around the world to help them grow their capacity to address the needs of orphans, vulnerable children, and the extreme poor in their communities. 
A key strategy they employ is economic support through microloans and micro-savings programs, working with local churches to help families access livelihoods so they can provide for the children in their care. Bright Hope also takes a holistic approach to their work and engages in a range of ministries that keep children and families and prevent placement in orphanages. You can listen to longer versions of each of these two conversations on the Faith to Action website. In addition to hearing more about the programs touched on here, these audio podcasts feature inspiring stories about the children who, because of these ministries and programs, have been able to remain in or return to the love and care of families. Our next speakers are Rebecca Knepp and Allison Atkinson. Rebecca is the head of international programs and field coach at the Australian Christian Churches International. She also runs their Connected program, which operates in nine countries and focuses on the right of each child to a family and working to help residential care facilities to place a priority on family care and transition children into families. Rebecca is joined by Allison Atkinson. Allison and her husband joined ACCI 10 years ago in Colombo, Sri Lanka. Together with their team, they oversee and run the operation of the Help Kids Center, based near a large slum in Colombo. They also oversee the Home of Hope Child Development Center, a temporary residential care unit where they are committed to helping children reintegrate back into their families. It's Allison, <laughs> you and your husband, Narl, are working in Sri Lanka with... Um, a group of children that could be considered very vulnerable and your program has obviously evolved a little bit over time as well. Can you just give us a little bit of background about who you're working with, how you came to work with these children and families and a little bit about the program that you're running? My husband and I have always had a real passion for um, helping the vulnerable children. In 2006, the Help Kids Centre was opened and this was given early education to the children from slums and, the, and, and a street community of children. And we started with only six children. We just saw it was impacting their lives and making a difference, uh, not in a, only in their lives but in their family lives. I've also seen you adapt the Help Kids Centre definitely, and really broaden it out from being very child-focused to now being more family-focused and introducing things such as family case management where you've been really able to look at not just what's happening in the child's world but what's happening in the family that affects the child and how do we provide support counselling and services to actually address the issues within the whole family for the benefit ultimately also of the children. So can you tell us a little bit more about the scope of services yeah. that you actually put around a vulnerable family through the Help Kids Centre? Yeah, because our overall aim, you know, just changed with all of this and now it's keeping kids in families. But those families need to be whole. We need to take a holistic approach. We give family counselling. We help a little bit with um, small businesses. So, you know, sometimes it's just like $100 or $50 and it, and it gets them going and, and they can provide for their family in a very simple way. We have other networks around us, other organisations. We network with them and some of them do sewing, some of them do jewellery making. So we don't have to actually carry the load because we can't do everything. And they're happily taking on these women and training them as well. At the Help Kids Centre, we have the early education and the kids come in. We provide breakfast and their milk. Sometimes that milk is the only milk that they get for the whole day. The kids that actually come through the program right from the very beginning, in the two years that they're in the early education, we get to know the family, we get to know the kids really well and um, the whole deal of what's happening at home. And so once they start school, they come into our past pupil program, which is a fantastic program because we just keep 
going on instead of saying, okay, that's over, we've given you education, but we, we, we continue to work. We celebrate 10 years this year with the Help Kids Centre and they know that we're there for the long term and, and they see the results of that. And we've just been a- able to win their trust, which is a great thing, and so that we can really speak into their lives. We can speak into the lives of the children. We can speak into the lives of the families. So I think a lot of the things that you're actually doing Um, really are family preservation strategies. You provide both the early education and the past pupils program which is the after school and support supplementary education for children and we see that they are two of the main reasons why children end up in residential care. It's a lack of supervision when mothers um, don't have another parent around to help them whilst they're at work or that they have to take on that role of income earner and therefore there's no one to care for their children. That can result in family separation. So it's a holistic approach where you have to put multiple services around a family because the issues that they're struggling with are complex. And secondly, it really requires that ongoing support, counselling, mentoring to have somebody who they know they can count on to debrief with, to encourage them along the way, to help them really refocus and say, no, you are a good mum, you are a good dad, you're good parents, you can do this, we'll help you. I think that that is really critical and can make the difference between a family who gives up and thinks that the best thing they can do for their children is put them in a home and a family who sees, no, I I can do this, I can get through this, I can be mum or dad or mum and dad to these, these children that I'm caring for. You've also also been able to do something else through the Help Kids Centre more recently that I think is really significant and that is um, work with both women and children in the community through women's clubs and children's clubs. Yeah, it was really interesting because our government agent came to us and said, look, we've been trying to get this women's club started for years, but we haven't been able to do it. But you you seem to have a great connection with the the women in in the community, with the family. So how about you invite them to come? We'll host it at your centre and, and see. So we had 50 women, just close on 50 women, turn up for the first meeting. The Kids Club is just a great idea to just get the kids out, get them them um, working together and, and you know they they've got a heart for their community too and get them involved in in looking at their own life and how they can improve their own lifestyle and build their confidence. Yeah, I believe it was the second year that we had the training the social work training on the importance of family and reunification and family preservation that you were able to actually work with the very local level mm. government um, leaders or community leaders and what we know is a dynamic that affects family separation is when a family is struggling in the community, particularly in in these communities you're working in, often it's the village leader or the local community leaders who will identify that as a family, as a family at risk, as a child at risk, and they will recommend that that child is placed in an orphanage. But Mm. you've been able to, through that training provide information to those community leaders to let them know about the importance of families and the importance of trying to preserve a family before encouraging family separation. And I remember you telling me um, a comment made by one of the community leaders he actually got up at the end because they all got up to, you know, to thank us. And, and he said, I, I would think a lot more carefully now. I would look into how I can keep them in their families and keep them in the community. I would not even send them to a children's home. So I think what we're seeing through 
the Help Kids Centre and, and what we've been able to do in partnership, which has been really exciting, is really address this at multiple levels. That's right. And I look at it from the perspective of gatekeeping in the community. How do we bring this knowledge and awareness of the importance of families to community leaders so that they can proactively support families within their community? How do we address the vulnerabilities within the family unit itself through microloans, through community centres, through the women's clubs, the kids' clubs, um, the family case management it's exciting. I'm very excited. And Help Kids is such a fantastic program. It's such a fantastic thing to, to work in that community and just um, listen to the, the parents just say, you know, how much they're appreciative and how much it's, it's helped them. And we just want to get, you know, the more parents involved and working with us together as well to make a real impact on that community. Next, we will hear from C.H. Dyer and Heather Newton about Bright Hope's global work. C.H. Dyer has been CEO and president of Bright Hope since 1993. He has led Bright Hope to focus on assisting those living in extreme poverty, including orphans, widows, and the disenfranchised. He has developed partnerships with over 900 Indigenous churches in nine countries. He is joined by Heather Newton. Heather works as an International Partnership Program Associate at Bright Hope, where she supervised the launch of Orphans and Vulnerable Children programs in Uganda to educate the local in-country church on the importance of family-based care. She holds a Master of Arts in International Development from Eastern University with a concentration on understanding the effects of poverty on women in Africa. Hello, this is C.H. Dyer from Bright Hope, and I'm excited that we're here with you. I have Heather Newton, uh, who's one of our field experts at Bright Hope. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to share with you today. Bright Hope, for those of you who are new to us, uh, is an organization that's dedicated to helping those who live on less than a dollar a day. So we go into about 50 communities around the world. Uh, these are very poor communities. And we work with local churches in those communities uh, to bring um, programs that will impact the entire community. At Bright Hope, we always talk about uh, three levels of help or three tiers of helping. We call it hope for today, hope for tomorrow, and hope for eternity. Uh, and so our conversation today around family and orphans and vulnerable children uh, will be in that context. So Heather, um, hope for today. When Bright Hope talks about hope for today, what, what do we mean by that? Well, with Hope for Today, we, we typically mean our relief programs, the most immediate needs that a family might have. So that can look like health issues that arise, that can be feeding programs where there might be, need to be some nutritional supplements. It can be um, also water. Um, so we come into a community alongside the church, and we help the church to reach the most immediate needs within a family or community. Tell us a little bit about what hope for uh, tomorrow means. So microloans represents utilizing the best skills this person has and giving them just a little seed money so that they can get themselves on the pathway out of poverty. We're really saying, how can a family, a person, an individual um, raise their level of income where they can care for most of their own needs? The transformation that happens within these microloan programs is, is truly amazing as people double and sometimes even triple their incomes, which if you're earning less than a dollar a day, two or three dollars a day may not seem like a lot. But in that context, it can do a lot of helping that family survive. 
Um, how do those groups work? Can you just give a kind of a quick overview of how a microloan group would work? Absolutely. So to be a part of this program, she would have had to attend two trainings just to learn how to run a business and to be financially savvy. With these trainings, we work with each individual person to discover the best business that they might do. They might start a butcher shop. They may start a small restaurant. They may invest in selling posho, which is a rice dish in in Africa. I mean, there are any variety of ways, but the main thing that we do is to help them discover the best way that they can provide for their family through their business with utilizing the talents and giftings and skills that they have. We don't just train them, but we also put them in support groups. And we have someone from the local church trained who's identified as a leader. And these leaders will go and visit with the microloan recipients to make sure that they're feeling supportive, that they have everything they need to be as successful as they can be. For specifically towards children, uh, vulnerable children or orphan children, being in these families that have received these loans, um, it brings a sense of security for those children because now there's enough food. There's going from one meal to two meals, going from maybe a, a dirt floor to a cement floor or to a stronger structured house. Uh, being able for those kids to stay in school is really important. And so we've seen families all across the world with five or six of their own kids bringing on maybe two or three more orphan children from the community or from other relatives and and that whole family thriving uh, as a family unit because of the economic development. Right. Now, microloans is one specific uh, example of economic development in our Hope for Today basket. What would be some other tools or programs that we might bring to a community? We also do agricultural projects. We actually in Zambia have a project where we plant moringa trees. Moringa trees are unique because when you grind up the moringa trees, it's actually highly nutritious. And so by giving a family a moringa tree and them growing these trees, they not only have something to sell, but they also have something to consume to provide for the children. I know that we provide the example of microloans, but microsavings is unique. And actually, they found that it's a lot more successful in areas of the world like Haiti. CH, you and I could be in a group with a few other people. And every time we meet, every week, we bring $5. Everyone brings $5 and puts it in a pot. CH, you may be entrusted to take that pot of money home to care for it. And you can take from that. That's your loan. And then the next time we meet, whatever's left over plus another $5 is brought in. And so each of the members of the community have a personal investment. They hold each other accountable. It's a support group. And then not to mention, it's the seed funding, similar to the microloans, that can get people going. But the best part about the micro savings group is that an organization like Bright Hope doesn't need to do more than just train these micro savings and get them started with just the knowledge base because they've already got the funds to start their own group. I think that one of the key things I would love for people to understand is poor families can care for orphans and vulnerable children. They don't need to send their kids to an orphanage or to some other institution, but we can help poor families survive and thrive and become better families as we approach the economic development. We talked a lot about Hope for Tomorrow, and how does uh, our Hope for Eternity piece coming out from the churches impact families that are vulnerable and with children that may be orphaned? 
when we talk about the church having access to vulnerable families, we mean the single-led households, the women that are raising their children by themselves, mm-hmm. who maybe are without without family to really come around and support them. We're talking about the um, orphans being cared for by extended family members. So the church is there to reach each of those cases and not only empower, but challenge with Bible, scripture, leadership, um, love, all these things that I think that families can really be impacted by. We did a study and we found that among the poorest villages and communities across the world, in most of these villages, there was already a church in existence within that community. And so we call it the the most underutilized asset in the fight against extreme poverty. And that when we can empower that local set of believers and Christians to do the work of the church, um, not only in evangelism and discipleship, but with economic development and relief to the most vulnerable, uh, we see families change, children change, uh, and it becomes a powerful force of light and hope and help uh, within that community. And even when we're done with our programs, they can continue those things on for years and years to come because they're committed, they're called to that specific community. Thank you so much to our speakers, Rebecca and Allison, CH and Heather, for sharing your work with us. We encourage others to listen to the podcast versions of these conversations available on the Faith to Action website for a deeper dive into strategies for strengthening family care. You can also watch a short video about Allison and Narl's work with children and families in Sri Lanka on the Faith to Action website. If you'd like to learn more about microloans and micro-savings programs, CH and Heather recommend the following online resources, www.seepnetwork.org and www.microcreditsummit.org. Also, the Pathways Out of Poverty series available on Amazon. And if you'd like to learn more about or support the work of Australian Christian Churches International Relief, Help Kids, or Bright Hope, we invite you to visit their websites online at www.accirelief.org and www.brighthope.org. Thank you so much for joining us today. As you continue to explore how you can be involved in the best care for children and families, we encourage you to visit our website at www.faith2action.org and discover our many helpful resources. In particular, listen to our podcasts that feature more examples of organizations and groups around the world implementing strategies that strengthen family care. On our website, we have many stories that feature different organizations and groups that are working to strengthen family care, from reducing stigma and discrimination, access to medical care, protection and participation of children, and many other strategies. You can also subscribe to our listserv on our website or follow us on Facebook or Twitter to access more examples of family strengthening and updates of family-based care for orphans and vulnerable children. May God continue to bless you in your service to children and families.